Welcome to City Church. We are a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus, grow together, and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. The message that I'm going to bring this morning is entitled Kingdom of Life. We are in a Kingdom of God series all year. But this chunk of the Kingdom of God series is entitled Kingdom of Life. And one of the things that I've been thinking about for us this morning is the idea of with Easter in our hearts, not just on Easter, but all year, all year. Now, one of the things, full confession as a pastor, I wanted to mention a few things uh, this morning just pastorally. And the first one is this. There's two things that are kind of combined, but every, well, let me put it this way. How many of you know every industry, every area of calling has kind of a rhythm to it? Do you know what that's like, right? So if you're in the business world, there tends to be a rhythm. If you're a teacher, there's a definitive rhythm to that. Well, in pastoral ministry, there's a rhythm as well. And one of the things that good seminaries do that are equipping you for ministry is they teach you things about that rhythm of life. And the reality of it is, if you don't learn how to live into it, it it's really difficult to do. But what's interesting to note is there are two things that I was taught in grad school in preparation for ministry and seminary was this. Number one, never resign on Monday. <laughs> don't quit on Monday. Just give it till Tuesday right? That's part of the rhythm of pastoral ministry, because what you end up doing is there's ministry all week. It finds its crescendo on Sunday morning, and there's times where on Monday, you can look in the rearview mirror, and it can be really challenging. Now, again, I'm assuming that everyone's calling in career or industry has a, some type of a rhythm that's like this. Here's the other one that we were taught in, in good seminaries that prep pastors teaches, and that is this. The Sunday after Easter is the toughest Sunday of the year. It is, and you want to know why. Because the people that you see twice a year in Christmas and Easter were here the last week, and you're always glad they're there. But what ends up happening is the entire kind of kingdom of God finds its crescendo in the resurrection, and then the week after that, you can just find that there's just maybe not as many people there for worship or whatever the case may be. And so it's literally taught to us in seminary, the Sunday after Easter, be careful. Just know that it can be a tough Sunday. And so instead of avoiding that, I decided to kind of own it and just plow into it. And I wanted to talk to us this morning about how to keep Easter in our hearts all year. What does it look like maybe in my own life where we talk about the kingdom of God and living into that practically? Kind of what does that look like? Because here's what I know, if your faith journey and your walk with Jesus is like mine, at times there can be somewhat of a disconnect. I mean, just kind of full admission. Now, here at City Church, you're sitting in a sanctuary, and doesn't it feel nice and cool in here? You feel good in here. Amen to that. Now, I wanted to share with you kind of the backstory to some of this. So, first of all, when I first arrived at City, it was almost 25 years ago now, which is hard to believe, but 25 years ago, I became the pastor. About three years in, 
we were having huge issues with the air handler here that kept the sanctuary cool. And so one summer where it was the hottest part of the summer, the compressor just blew up and we had no air conditioning at all in the sanctuary. So we were handing out water bottles, we had big commercial fans, but this room was like literally 100 degrees. These were some of the shortest worship services you've ever been to in your life. Because this is a brick building, so when the sun hits the brick, the brick heats up and it just becomes like an oven in here. Well, what ended up happening, oh, by the way, there's an upside to that as well. And that is, when I was hired as the pastor, all of the clergy wore suits every single Sunday morning. And I was praying to God to deliver me <laughs> from having to wear a suit. Nothing against pastors that do. You got to understand that. I totally understand. It's very important culture. I'm never besmirching that. But I just felt in my own pastoral ethos that wearing a suit was something I wanted to stop doing. And that became God's method of deliverance. <laughs> Seriously. And, and people hardly even noticed. It was crazy. We had three weeks of 100 degree temps in here. Everyone dressed casual. And after that was over, I just never wore a suit again. And it was like two months later where one of the old saints at the church came up to me and she said, you haven't been wearing your suit. I said, really? Are you sure? You positive? But it was kind of like God's deliverance for me in that regard. Now, the point that I'm making, though, is there was a disconnect here that really people didn't know about in the church, and we didn't find out about till COVID. One of the things we said to our church when COVID hit was, we would take a look at all the systems of the church, all of them. We've been doing it prior as well. One of the things that was dealt with in the past two years or a little before was that we always had these compressors that were blowing at City Church. And they're 10 grand a piece for the compressors. They just kept blowing. So we decided, let's do a whole new system. There's a wonderful family that's part of City. He owned a very large AC, HVAC company. And he said, I'd be happy to help. And it just went really, really well. Well, it ended up that he sent his mechanics up into the attic, and what he explained to us was, he said, you must have blown a lot of compressors over the years. And at 10 grand a pop, I mean, there were a lot of them. And what he said was, if you look left and right of the screen, there's these grids, and those are called the returns. That's where the HVA system sucks air that's already been being cooled in here or heated, recirculates and brings it cooler. So it's a closed loop system. Well, when he went up in there, he found out that the returns had never been connected. <laughs> never connected. So for like 45 years, the HVA system had been pulling 110 degree air out of the attic and fighting and fighting to cool it down. And when he went up there and found that and the connection was made, it was like heaven, <laughs> right? It just worked right. It just, the thing worked right. And if it's not connected, it's not going to. And so the idea is for me, I, in living in the kingdom of God, have known at times where I'm in the kingdom, but I just kind of feel like that. I, I feel as though in spiritually there's a sense that it's just not connected the way it ought to be. And so having been in the kingdom for a long time, one of the things that God has led me to really move into and to press into is the idea of the Lord's Prayer. Now, here's what I know. I've taught on this already in the Kingdom of God series, but I want us to remind us of a few things about the Lord's Prayer and how it's worked in my life. 
Now, what I want us to do at the beginning is just simply, I'm going to read through the Lord's Prayer. If you know it, close your eyes and say it by heart. We have a lot of people at City who've never read the Gospels, new to faith, looking over the wall at faith. And if that's you, just kind of keep your eyes open and read the prayer. I'll read it out loud, but read it along with me or say it from memory in your heart. By the way, it's found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. It's interesting to note that the Lord's Prayer is brought to us in the Gospel of Matthew as being part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And what is the Sermon on the Mount? The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus casting a vision for a new people. Moses had gone through the wilderness, through the water, had gone in, went up on a mountain, received the law of God, and developed a new kingdom, a new people. That's what the Ten Commandments and the law of God is for. Jesus does the same thing. Jesus goes through the water. He's tempted and tested in the wilderness, 40 days, goes up on a mountain. It's called the Sermon on the what? On the mount. So he goes up on a mountain, and he establishes a vision for a new people. Here's what this people will be like. This is how the people are going to live. This is the kingdom of God and what we're called into. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. In the middle of it is the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus teaches this prayer as a prayer that is central to his kingdom and his kingdom's function. So if we are people in the kingdom, we are called to be people of this prayer. And here's what it says. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Being honest with you, I have lost count how many times I've prayed this prayer. I have knelt by my bed for years and prayed this bed prayer every night. When I wake up in the morning, I pray this prayer. Usually at some time during the day, I pray this prayer. It's become a spiritual reflex muscle for me in the kingdom of God. And the reason why is I believe it's more than just a model on how to pray. It is the prayer we are called to pray as we live in Christ's kingdom and we are people of his kingdom. And so what I wanted to do just very quickly is to look through the Lord's Prayer and highlight some of the things that have been effective for me and my sense of connection and empowerment in the kingdom of God as someone who follows Jesus. So first of all, the first phrase is simple. Our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name. You know, it's interesting to note that biblical scholars will tell you that the Greek or the word that's used for father in that prayer is the Aramaic word Abba. Abba. And what's interesting to note is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, that's the word he uses to address his heavenly Father when he's in the midst of suffering. Mark 14, 36. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. If you have not yet, 
You will come to the point in your following of Jesus and a point in the kingdom of God where your will wants to go to the left, but you know God's will is to go to the right. Isn't it amazing that even in the Lord's prayer, we have that prayer about the will of God? Because I doubt I'm very different than you are. Again, there's times in my following of Jesus where I know what the kingdom of God calls me to, and I would rather go there. But notice that in Jesus, even in the midst of incredible suffering, Jesus addressed his heavenly Father the same way in prayer as he does in the Lord's Prayer. Let me put it this way. As a people of the kingdom of God, we declare God as our Father, not only in times of victory, but in times of suffering as well. To kneel by my bed or to be driving in my car or wherever I find myself and I sense the need to pray, to pray the Lord's prayer and to declare him as my Father is critical. Next, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. I know hallowed means holy. I know exactly what it means in Greek and in Hebrew. But one of the things that has really touched me in the kingdom is this. Hallowed be your name. We in the kingdom are about bringing glory to God in his name, not ours. What we do, we do for him. And we live in a world where people are going elbow to elbow to try to elevate their name and to make their name great and to make sure their name is in lights. But that's not the case for those of us in the kingdom. In the kingdom of God, it's about hallowed be his name, not mine. The kingdom of God is filled with a nameless, faceless group of people who wake up each day and declare God is their father and that his will will be done in and through our lives, not the will of culture, not the will of others, but the will of God will happen in my life, and to him be all the glory. One of the greatest struggles in life is when you've worked hard on something and you don't get the accolades you deserve. Have you ever experienced that? How about yesterday? Right? And listen... That can become a cancer to your soul. Where you're out there doing what you're doing with all that you've got, and you don't get the accolades you feel like you deserve. Worse yet, someone else get the accolades for what you've done. Always remember when you get there and you feel that rub, know this, that we in the kingdom are about God getting the glory. If I never get the glory I deserve, that's okay. Because the glory belongs to him. Hallowed be your name, not mine. And then the prayer goes on to pray this. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth, in Charlottesville, as it is in heaven. What we quickly understand in the Lord's Prayer is that how we pray, how we focus our lives how we treat our neighbor, how we see ourselves and how we see others is what allows us to participate with God in the coming of his kingdom. So now how do we put feet to your faith? It's pretty simple. 
we live into this prayer. We believe that God's kingdom coming is more than just the message about Jesus. It is also about how we live our lives in this world. In other words, we participate with God in the answer to this prayer that his kingdom would come and his will would be done in Charlottesville as it is in heaven. It's interesting to note there's not a prayer about going to heaven in the Bible, but there is a prayer about heaven coming here in Charlottesville in this world. I was raised in a church, and it's not wrong that our prayer life was focused on getting to heaven. And then I read the Jesus prayer and was shocked. The prayer is about heaven coming here. And what I've determined is heaven is taken care of for me in Jesus. But God's heart is that that heaven would come here through me and that there would be a kingdom difference in my life, in your life, and everyone who calls City Church their home. Then comes the most challenging part of the prayer, maybe for some. Give us today our daily bread. If you've heard me teach on this before, you know that the Greek word daily bread is the Greek word epiuson. Epiuson is found nowhere else anywhere in Greek literature other than in the Lord's Prayer. Biblical linguists will tell you they're not sure what it means. It's been translated daily bread. But in reality, the oldest copy of the Lord's Prayer is from 200 AD, and it's found in Syriac. And in the Syriac translation of this, it reads, give us today tomorrow's bread. And what has been discerned from that is that most people in the world live with a constant fear that there will not be enough. And so I live today bound up in anxiety and fear about tomorrow because I'm not sure if there will be enough. And so what we discover for a lot of people in the kingdom, the fear of not enough, the need to protect what is mine, and when I do, I lose concern and compassion and generosity towards my neighbor. That one of the central core values of the kingdom of God is generosity and care and concern for the neighbor. But if I am always anxious about tomorrow and there won't be enough bread tomorrow, I will hoard and be selfish. I will throw elbows to make sure I get mine. But if I live in a kingdom where I pray three times a day, dear God, give me today the trust that tomorrow's bread is covered. And if it is, I can live in the present. I can live real time. If I know that tomorrow there will be enough, I can be generous today. And I can reach out to others and live in and through your kingdom instead of the anxiety and the fears of this world. So when I pray the Lord's Prayer, I pray it this way. Give us today tomorrow's bread. Relieve me from the fear and the anxiety of there not being enough. Jesus knew we had this fear, so he wove an amazing parable that is something like this. Your heavenly Father knows the birds and what they need. They trust him. So should you. And then the most challenging for some. 
and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. The reality of it is it's the only part of the Lord's Prayer that we participate in. It's the issue of forgiving. Jesus believes that everyone in his kingdom will be a forgiving person. Let me illustrate this the following way. I served on a carpentry crew, a custom carpentry crew, a couple of summers when I was in college. I love carpentry. So I was serving with this carpentry crew, and there was a guy on the crew that I worked with, and he was Irish, fire red hair, very kind of pale skin, and he had a temper that was just crazy. So I'm working with him, and he looks at me one day, and he says, I'm Irish. I'm like, okay. You know, I'm German. What's, you know? And he says, I'm Irish, and it means two things. I fight and I drink. I'm Irish. I thought, wow. Glad I haven't met many Irish people, right? Because he's going to drink and fight. And he said, I'm Irish. And he had made this kind of maxim in life that if you're Irish, you do two things and everyone else has to tolerate it. I'm Irish and because of that, I'm going to fight and I'm going to be drinking. End of story. That's how Jesus feels about us with forgiving. If we're in the kingdom, we forgive. That guy drinks and fights because he's Irish. If you're a Jesus follower and you're a Christian and you're in the kingdom, it's about forgiving. That's what Jesus says his people are known for. We're a people that forgive. It's actually the one thing we participate in literally in the Lord's Prayer. That as God forgives me, that forgiveness flows through me to others. And the idea would be, is God doesn't want that forgiveness to just stop with me. He wants it to flow to others as well. Can we stand together as we close out our time? And as we do, I'd like for you to close your eyes before we worship Jesus and listen to the Lord's Prayer one more time. If you know it, say it out loud. If you don't, just listen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today tomorrow's bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 